New Black Nation, your political digest with a Black conservative twist. Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of New Black Nation podcast. I'm Brandon Wang. I'm Gregory Victorin. And we are so happy to have you on again for our next um, five-part segment um, that focuses on David Nolan's Five Principles of Libertarianism. Um, And again, just uh, for everyone who hasn't joined in for the first set of the talks that we've been doing, um, this is not the end-all, be-all, you know, or this is not the the only thing that David Nolan has talked about and the only values that the Libertarian Party cares about, Um, but this is certainly five major tenets that really need to um, be adhered to um, to consider yourself as a libertarian. Um, And this is coming straight from David Nolan again, um, who was a major um, player in the libertarian movement and uh, bringing it to the mainstream. So today's episode, as I talked about, um, is going to talk about, in our last episode, is going to talk about no taxes on productivity. Um, This is one of my favorite points on this five-point list. Um, I mean, self-defense, don't, don't, don't get me wrong, you own yourself. Yeah, I love all of those things. Um, I feel like those are, um, I feel like those are obvious, you know, um, you, you should be able to defend yourself. You should be able to own yourself and control what happens to, with your body. Um, and of course, with the criminal possession, yeah, of course, it seems more of a, an oxymoron. But this one, the no taxes on productivity part, just really hits at my heart um, as it relates to these particular values. Um, because taxation is just extremely um, polarized. And and how we feel we should be taxed is different in every single city, state, the country in general. Um, so I find this a really important topic to talk about today. Um, so I'll start off by reading his point um, on this particular subject, and then I'll kick it to Greg and see what he thinks about this, and we'll see if we can get into some spirited debate over the topic. Um So no taxes on productivity. In an ideal world, there would be no taxation. All services would be paid for on an as-used basis. So meaning like a consumption tax in this case. Um, But in a less ideal world, some services will be forced financed for the foreseeable future. However, not all taxes are equally deliterous. And the worst form of taxation is a tax on productivity, i.e. an income tax. And no libertarian supports this type of taxation. What kind of taxation is least harmful, you ask? This is a topic still open for debate. My own preference, and this is David Nolan's preference, is for a single tax on land. Is is this the libertarian position on taxes? No. But all libertarians oppose any form of income tax. End quote. So, Greg, that's a, as all of, as I say with all of his statements, a very loaded statement. Um, it's a very interesting statement. 
Um, and I'd love to see where you generally um, fall as it relates to that um, previous statement. Do you believe that, you know, what Dave Nolan suggests and we should just only have a land tax on the land that we own and that's it? Or do you believe that we should do some kind of a, con a consumption tax, which is only taxing on things that we purchase um, and that's the only way we fund the government? Um, or do you agree with the income tax and you agree that people should be paying income taxes? How do you feel? Well, a lot of our taxes are being taken out. Half of us don't even know why, and we don't even know where that money is really going. Um, I will say I do agree, um, you know, the government will be funded, you know, if I purchase something with that tax and the tax on, on land. Uh, um, I do agree with it because this is something that, you know, I own, this is something that I have, you know, and for the security of it and because I live in the property, yes, I should pay uh, some kind of a tax for it because, you know, the uh, uh, fire department, the police department in the area need to be funded. So, you know, I agree with that um, um, notion that he have um, with, with the tax code. But with the other taxes that we pay and, um, and you know, that's coming out um, of our check, and every year we have to file the income tax, to me, is a bunch of nonsense. Um, I don't see the need for it. Um, it doesn't help. And it's just, you know, it's just them taking money off your check, of, of your hard labor for the fun of it. That's how I see it. I don't, I don't see there's any real purpose of them doing that. Hmm. So that's an interesting, uh, interesting statement. So you would say that um, you agree with the land uh, or land or property tax, but you don't agree with um, personal income tax on your wages. Um, so in, in, in you basically said that you don't think that um, people are doing anything with it anyway. Um, so what's the point of having it? Um, now, some people would argue back just as to give some pushback. Um, some people would probably argue and say, no, you know, taxes are doing a lot. It's uh, funding our military. Um, it's allowing school, certain school programs. It's uh, doing uh, making sure that hospitals have their things going on, all the government services. It's paying all of the uh, people who are in Congress as the Food and Drug Administration, and, um, all of those other um, high, high skill level um, uh, policymakers and things like that. It affords for us to go on our jets and uh, fund our roads and streets and all of these different things that are going on. Um, and we and we do that across this three thousand plus mile long uh, stretch of land um, that we call the U.S. You know, and it, it, it ensures that we have all of those things that we need done. And some would argue. Um, if we were to only have a property tax, um, that would be nowhere near enough um, to fund everything that we need to do as a country. So what do you say to that? Well, I would agree if our school system was in the best state of mind. I would agree if our hospital system was the best in the world. I would agree if Congress was actually doing the work of the people, not the work of the one percenters, 
and the billionaires, I would agree with all those arguments if they was actually um, uh, 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 um, right, if they, if, if they make any kind of sense. But let's look at it. Obviously, our school system is not the best system of, um, in the world. Our hospital, we don't even have the best doctors here. So as far as Congress go, why, why are we paying these people to stay in this city until they retire? And, you know, all money is giving them the luxury that they live in, and they're still doing the work for the one percenters. So it's like we're in a mental slavery, you know. We're paying for things, and we're not getting the services of what we're paying for. So I do, you know, I have a problem with it because my hard labor, my hard pain is giving these people a luxury to chill, um, you know, to do whatever they want to do and still not represent us. I don't agree with it. But the one point that you did make, and, and, and I have to agree with it, building the, the, the roads, that uh, is something that I agree with. Um, you know, we should continue fixing the street and stuff like that. Um, then you know that that's something that could be discussed. But as far as those other points, we're not really getting nothing out of it. I mean, I, I guess it's like you know, it's hard to say that we don't get anything out of it, but we don't get anything that's of quality out of it. Um, and I think well, that's the crucial difference or point that we would need to consider there. Well, let's look at it this way, right? Mm -hmm. For example, the military, right? Why do we have troops in every country? We have we have troops in every country, plus we own every country's government. So you don't need both of them. If you already own the government, you already have them in your back pocket. You don't need the military there uh, uh, and stuff like that. You don't need to send people, uh, um, those soldiers all over the world um, you know, just to claim people's territory, right? So, if you could cut back on that, you know, that, that could make a big difference. Um, you know, if, if, if people in Congress have a time they could retire and they pay for their own healthcare, they pay for their own uh, um, uh, taxi rights or, you know, whatever things that they have, that could be a plus. But, you know, the system is polluted. The system is crooked. Um, there's too many holes in the system. And, you know, and at the end of the day, you know, we get nothing out of it. You know, if, if Congress was really working in our favor, I would be all for it. If members of Congress was really representing us and putting us first, I'd be all for it. But the fact of the matter is they're not. You know, they, they're looking for their own interest and every bill that they pass, it comes from the 1% first. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the 1% gives their uh, seal of approval before a, a, a bill is actually passed in the, in the two houses, uh, which is interesting. Um, and, and of course, that's why we also have all of that, um, all, all of that upkeep you know, and, and, and all of those policymakers who are essentially just writing the bills for congressmen and women um, to just sign on. Um, and it, it is a tough situation. One thing, just to circle back to the military statement, because you said that, you know, why are we in all, the, all of these countries? Um, and, you know, I always am very spirited about that. Um, you know, we're in all of those countries because of 
like what you you've said on several occasions america has 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 made a lot of enemies in the world um they have not always or we have not always done the most um sound public policy strategies or international st strategies or made the best coalitions with other um, international partners um, or strategic partners. Um, so because of that, we have a ton um, of security issues just waiting to erupt um, because of all of that, um, all of those issues or follies um, in terms of public policy management. And if we were to just overnight, you know, relinquish all of our troops from all of the areas we do business, a couple of different things would happen. Um, one, which is the most um, spoken about um, argument on the conservative side, is that nations like uh, Iran, Russia, China will feel more emboldened to go in and take over and become the new hegemonic power um, for a lot of these border states that are very close to their um, their borders. Um, we've already seen, even with military intervention, um, Vladimir Putin testing the waters, you know, and it, uh, having his feelers out, you know, to start to take part of, take over part of Crimea and Ukraine and a couple of these other areas in the Baltics. So if there is absolutely no military presence whatsoever from the United States, um, it is certainly safe to say that 100% uh, with 100% accuracy that a lot of these countries will start taking over these smaller nations that are, are next to their borders. So that's the obvious point one or the most spoken about point number one. The second point would be that we have, um, um, the second point would be that for our own personal national security here in the US, um, because we've made so many enemies, the moment that we back off, um, automatically would mean that we are then going to be 100% on the defense. Um, and we may or may not, but I'm more inclined to say may or will rather um, have some attacks from other nations because the reason that we're able to keep um, the majority of the attacks off of our, our sovereign land is because we bring it to them first. Exactly. We started the problem. No, it's not always that we started the problem, because in some cases you have other countries that, you know, feel emboldened, you know, or they have a tyrannical regime um, and they want to start taking over other countries or they want to start making nuclear weapons or they want to do other things that may um, placate or go against, you know, what's going on. Um, in the U.S. in our national security interests. So I mean, the United States certainly acts primarily to make sure that that doesn't develop into something greater. I, I agree with you in certain things, right? But let me, t let me say this, right? If I am a country, right, don't I have the right to defend myself? If I see the U.S., is putting armies all around me. That could only mean one thing. Sooner or later, it's gonna be an attack without any kind of warning. So when I see Russia is doing that, when I see North Korea or the Chinese are doing that, 
they're trying to level the playing field because they feel like they're a nation of their own. They should not be ruled by other nations, which I kind of agree with. I don't feel like the U.S. should be the police of all other um, um, tribes or all, um, all um, other countries. If you're going to be a partner, you be a partner uh, with those countries and you respect them, you respect their cultures, you respect their way of life, and they will respect you for yours. But oftentimes, that's not what's happening. So the U.S., like you said, they don't have a good track record of that, right? So you look at um, um, Libya and you look at um, uh, the removal of Gaddafi, uh, Saddam Hussein. So, of course, you're going to have people, you're going to want our soldiers to stay there because they see us as a threat because they see us come in. We destroy their countries. They can't eat no more. ISIS taking, um, took over. So you put their life in danger, and according to the international law, after 10 years of war, you're supposed to rebuild that country back to the state that it was in, and the U.S. have never done that. So there will always be people that wants to hurt us because they feel like we destroy their whole home, we destroy their way of life, we destroy their families. And because of that, we will always have enemies. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I partially agree with that. And, and, and I, I think a lot of times when we have this type of discussion, you know, um, amongst, uh, you know, other Americans, the topic is always kind of to talk about the blame for the things that we've done wrong. Um, but very rarely do we talk about a lot of the things that we've gotten right. Um, and very rarely do we talk about the countries that actually depend on the United States to be the world police um, and the, all of the myriad of countries that actually sit, have sat there and said that, you know, they may not have it in public discussions, but they privately have them with our foreign dignitaries and say, you know, where is the U.S. leadership on this? Um, a ton of countries in the world, with the exception of Russia and China and Iran um, and North Korea, obviously, uh, uh, but a vast majority of, of these countries, you know, expect to have the U.S. in a place of leadership because they have always been in a place of leadership. So whereas a lot of people have a tendency to speak for these people, in the U.S., what really um, is a government, you know, a government official um, desire is for the United States to take the lead. They also want the United States to take the lead because the United States pays the money for these security issues. Um, and a lot of these countries don't want to take charge of their own security bills. So a lot of people are asking, or a lot of governments rather, are asking for the United States help. And when the United States does not intervene on the uh, slim chances cases that we have not intervened, um, then the world is left saying, well, why didn't the United States take care of this? You know, so it's kind of like uh, you can't have your cake and eat it too. So it's either you're going to want the security of the United States and you're going to want the power of the United States military to protect your countries or 
you know, you're not going to have the United States protect your countries. Um, and one scenario where the United States is protecting your countries, like a lot of countries ask are asking for, um, and a lot of countries do want help on, um, you're going to have a scenario where there will be mistakes made. Um, there will be lives lost. Um, there will be really big issues that happen um, in, in these particular countries um, because like any other nation, no nation is perfect and no military is without its faults. Um, but you have to, it's going to be up to the people to really decide in the governments of these, of these countries um, to really decide whether or not they want the U.S.'s help or they do not want the U.S.'s help. Does that make sense? No, it makes perfect sense. So, so that's where I would say most of our tax money is going. Mm -hmm. So people that have issues with pain or people that have issues with war that don't like it, you know, of course they're not going to want to pay that kind of tax because they, you know, that's not something that nobody wants war, you know. Yes, you, you want to remain number one and support, of, you know, and what cause? Like taking the life of somebody else to make me feel safe? Why? You know, so I would always ask this question, right? If Gaddafi wanted to be independent of the U.S. currency, wouldn't that be a good thing for the U.S.? Meaning that you didn't have to send money there anymore. Meaning that they would have been independent on their own. They didn't have to count on, you know, of your currency or your security. But the minute that you remove him from doing that, guess what we're always going to continue to do is to push money in that direction because now we have to put security there and we have to try to take control of the situation that's going on right there right now. So I don't think war happened just because it happened. I think war happened because the 1% benefit from it. I think government officials benefit from it, and they push for these things. Because if you look at the um, Democrats, um, you have Kelsey um, and um, and uh, what's his name? Bernie. That's you know against uh, regime change. You know, uh, and these are those are veteran people that serve in the army, and now they are being targeted. You know, by the Democrats, they're being called Russian access just because they're speaking the truth of what's really going on inside of the government. So if, we, if we're gonna send our tax money to these places and stuff, it gotta be from a good place. It has to be from a good place in your heart. It cannot be because you've been manipulated by the one percenters because they wanna make profit. See, and that's where I think I disagree because I would say I don't think the major issue here for the war and everything else or the need for the United States to get involved is always uh, surrounded around um, um, a particular point for 1%. Um, like, okay, Give me one example. So, so for this, you know, for, for this situation, um, yes, it does help the 1%, but also as a, as a nation as well, there may be an issue, for example, like you use the example of Libya, right? So um, right now we are on the fiat system. And in the fiat system, the United States is the reserve currency, right? So essentially what uh, Gaddafi wanted to do was um, create uh, his own 
um, system or financial system or his own currency um, and make his own currency the reserve currency. Um, that is involved with that is that you can then have uh, all of these nations, for example, in Africa, um, who, if they decide to all band together and make a, a specific specific currency, can then go in and start printing their own money, you know, and value their own currency. Um, so they can have a major um, a major advantage over the United States um, or other countries that utilize the fiat system and the res uh, reserve dollar. Um, be, and especially because a lot of these places are in, in Africa have an abundance of natural resources. Um, so a lot of these places can be used, um, you know, could be cut off to the United States, um, could, extremely limiting the buying power or um, fiscal power um, for the region so, um, or the world, really. Um, because it would be a major contender. And, 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 and yeah, I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit, and I'm going to say um, yes, but then that may be good. So then that way Africa can do more and be more and, um, you know, have their own access to their own industries and things of that nature, and that's great for Africa. Um, for the United States, um, it would not be necessarily good for them or it may not be good for other countries that are um, within the fiat system. Um, so that's uh, where we kind of run into an issue there because, you know, they don't want powers that could be, you know, unhinged or um, pow powers that, you know, uh, can easily then start to build up a military and then come and attack all of these other nations um, to have a certain amount of power. So they cut them down to size. You see, what you just say right here, right, it just make my point. It's all about interest of the United States, not those countries. Of course, and every country has its own interests. Yeah, but and what and every know, country is competitive. Yeah, and, uh, the United States is extremely competitive. Okay, but look at look at the situation, right? Mm -hmm. Let's take. I, I believe it's England. They have their own currency that's higher than the U.S. Right? How come they have not been attacked? Well, that's because they're still a part of the same fiat currency system. So the reserve, the American dollar is still a reserve currency there. And although the UK is, or the pound is more worth more than the United States dollar, um, it's still not that much more than the United States dollar. Um, and they still adhere to the fiat currency rules. Exactly. But, but, the, but their money and their country is higher. Um, a few years ago, I used to go to Canada, right? Um, that was when uh, Bush, the, the, the second Bush was in office, right? And the Canadian government changed their money. For a hundred dollars, hundred US, people used to get a hundred and fifty dollars or a hundred and thirty dollars, depending on where you go and change it. And they had changed that, right? Because um, I guess there was conflicts between them that, you know, a hundred US dollars, you're only gonna get $102 or $105 um, because they wanted to drop the, the value of the US dollars in their country so there wouldn't be um, division within the country 
because of the U.S. dollar, right? Now, if you look at Libya, you look at um, um, Dominican Republic, you're looking at places like Haiti, and you look at their money that they have versus the U.S. dollar, people are killing for the U.S. dollar because the U.S. dollar have more value than their own currency. So that's going to cause a problem. So I, I would agree with it if there was a balance, right? But there is no balance. Um, everybody's chasing one uh, currency, and that's the U.S. currency. And because everybody's chasing that one currency, people are killing people, and there is a lot of crime in those small countries because of those currencies. So when, when you have a penny and you don't value that one penny and you value the 25 cents your next door neighbor have, and you're gonna go and rob your next door neighbor for that 25 cents, that's a problem. It's because you don't value your own, you don't have something to hold on to, so it's causing um, conflict. So it goes back, right, to our tax money, right? Why are we sending money to those places? Why, why we have to give them money every, there's a reason why we have to give every government that come um, in the um, um, Dominican Republic or Haiti or whatever other government, we have to keep buying them so they could keep the system going. And that's where most of our tax money is going. If we could fix the system and have some common ground where, you know, we don't have to spend so much tax money, you know, leave some of the money here to fix some of the problems here, fix some of our schools or um, the hospitals, you know, um, the college education system, you know, fix some of the things here. I think that would have been easier for people to swallow that's paying the tax that do not want to pay the tax. Um, I think they will be more at ease, with, you know, with a common ground versus what's going on right now. Mm -hmm. um, well, and I, and, I, and I hear you on that. And, you know, I know there's a lot of stuff that we can do and a lot of things that our tax dollars can go to um, with military, but it's, it's fine and dandy to say all of this right now. Um, but the moment that we see that, you know, nations start kind of turning against us or if we, God forbid, have a tax on our soil, um, and then, you know, our areas become a lot more like the countries, um, certain areas of the U.S. become more like the countries um, that we're normally fighting in. Um, then I think especially those people with children, et cetera, um, will be extremely um, upset and, and be calling for more military intervention. I think it's very easy for us to look at this and say, you know, oh, we're spending too much money on the military. And, and, and I hear you, we, what we should be doing is assessing what we're actually spending our, our military dollars on more specifically and making cuts, um, realistic cuts. Um, but the problem when you just do kind of blanket cuts or, you know, budget cuts is that, you know, sometimes programs that we normally have that are extremely helpful um, that are working well um are not always met you know and if they if those projects are not met then there could be major repercussions um for the national security of, of our country and you know it, it's it's easy to gamble with that but i'd much rather go through 
through that budget with a fine tooth comb than to make any kind of rash movements to change the budget dramatically. Um, because we really just don't know what the repercussions are for that. And I know people will say, well, let's just be you being fearful, you know, but it, it's a legitimate fear, you know, because there is a lot of crazy things going on out there. There is a lot of horrible things going on out there. Um, and if they have the chance to, to come to our borders and they have the, the chance to do something to us, I'm sure they will. You know, and they would, especially the people who really dislike us, like Iran or Russia or China or anybody else, um, North Korea, etc. You know, and so it, people's lives are, are at stake and it's a huge gamble uh, to just go in there and chop, chop, chop for the military budget. But 100% I agree that we can revert some of our taxes or we can really put more time and energy into oversight. Um, and extra spending or needless spending. Um, but I definitely think posturing in other countries and at the very least um, being involved or around other areas or certain seaports are definitely crucial for our national security and crucial for our military strategy overall. Let me ask you a question. Do you know who Henry Kissinger is? Of course. Yeah, I've read his book. Okay. <laughs> so... That's what Henry Kissinger do for the U.S. is destroy nations. And out of his own words, you know, uh, uh, I mean, his own mouth, you know, again, uh, it's, you know, to control them and stuff. And listen, you know, the argument that you make here, I'm pretty sure people on the other side is making the same argument, the fear of the U.S. invading this and that, attacking. So everybody have to put a defense, you know, the, the, the reason why I support, you know, the Second Amendment here and stuff is because, listen, I don't know what the next man is thinking. If this man decides to come inside of my house and I have no defense, I have nothing to defend myself, I, I, I'm dead. I'm gone. My whole family could be dead. So I look at it the same in the same sense. Right? I'm looking at it, these countries. You know they have to have some kind of the, um, of the defense. If not, you know, just like the U.S. didn't hate it, they just walk in and remove a city president just because they wanted to, and they didn't have any way to defend themselves. That's what's gonna happen, and that's what's gonna continue to happen if those countries does not have some kind of defense or some kind of stuff to balance themselves or to um, to have some kind of protection because. If the U.S. is having a relationship with, with these people, they have to be. It have to be a respectful relationship, right? You have to look for the best interests and stuff. If you're telling them, "Hey, you cannot have weapon and stuff," or, or um, because you know of whatever reason and stuff, then work with them, respect them. Like, don't try to you know make them feel like they're beneath your foot and stuff, or you know just like they did to. Um, um, Cuba and stuff, that, that's horrible, you know. So I, I, I believe um, a respectful friendship, a respectful relationship, regardless if you agree or disagree with the person, if there's respect, there will always be common ground and stuff. So without tax money, right, you look at the situation we're in right now, you know, 
the, the little people that are still working. Right now, they should not be taking taxes off people right now. This is a pandemic. The government is not bailing out nobody. So why are you still taking taxes out of people that's trying to make ends meet right now, at this moment, right? So there have to be a point where you say, okay, if there's a pandemic, if there's something, we're not going to take no more taxes from people until this thing is settled or whatever the case may be. Just like the Chinese had in their contract, if there's a pandemic, all contract is broke. <laughs> you know, they go back to normal. So if people are working, think about it. You, you're going out there every day. You're risking yourself in the train, in the bus and stuff. Your money is being taken out of tax and stuff. Your family is suffering. You don't have enough to feed your family and stuff. And that money is going towards people's interests. They're not going to, Americans not going to be uh, comfortable with that because we didn't bail them out. They're suffering. And yet you're still charging them tax um, for different things. So um, I think, you know, the tax thing is very important. Um, it's, I, I love that issue, um, you know, but there have to be some changes to the tax system. Um, it, it, it's too much right now for, if you look at your, your check, your pay store, and you see how many taxes that's coming out, like, you will have a headache because you don't even know what those things are anymore. Right. No, I, I totally understand where you're coming from. And but let me ask you a question. Yep. Mm -hmm. What would be a solution, do you think? Um, well, I, you know, my major so. Uh, 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 well, just give me one. And and my major solution to that problem, honestly, would be to um, my biggest solution change with that. With Lisa, as it relates to taxes, because I see where you are, and a big portion of of what you're seeing is the overspending of things, um, that, or, or the redundancies that are in the government. Um, I, I'm with you there. I 100% want to like take rid of uh, get rid of those redundancies, um, and really make a functional. Um, uh, and make it functional national government. But um, my main thing with taxes is that, you know, I don't think we should be doing income tax. Um, I agree with that specific statement that Dave Nolan said we shouldn't be paying an income tax um, because I just think it's it's not right to uh, tax you on something on, on your productivity because your productivity contributes to the, to the economy at large. Um, in our society at large. Um, and we have to incentivize people to be as productive as possible and give every advantage we can to all Americans um, to be as productive as possible. Um, so with that being said, I agree that there should also be land uh, property tax um, because that's something that we're consuming. Um, and I believe that there should be a consumption tax. And I would uh, venture off to say that we'd have a consumption tax that's somewhere between 12 and 15%. Um, so essentially that's just a 12 to 15% sales tax um, and coupled with property tax.
And I think that would be completely fine. Um, and that should be able to fund um, a lot of the things that we need to fund. But coupled with that, we would also need to do a serious reassessment of what we're spending as a government. And we would really have to come up with a common sense budget plan um, to, to make something that's sustainable and something that um, those uh, taxation sectors can fund. Um, so a part of that would be looking at the military spending that we have, um, because we have the most military spending um, in the world. So surely we can afford to uh, cut back on certain points. Um, we can certainly make streamline um, our military to make sure that it's being um, utilized at its most effective rate. Um, but also the redundant redundancies that we see in the public school sector, um, redundancies that we see in healthcare and medical, all of those things would have to be reconsidered and reevaluated to ensure that um, they're affordable and they're streamlined to a point where they're beneficial for Americans on a whole. Um, so I feel like that is my position as it relates to taxation. Um, and I think that would be major, uh, majorly beneficial um, to a lot of people. I don't believe we should have a estate tax. I don't believe we should have an income tax. Um, the only thing you should be taxed on um, is what you consume. So if you're consuming something, if you're taking something out of, you know, out of our earth and our natural resources, um, then you should be taxed on that. And that's really all you should be taxed on is your consumption. Let, um, me, ask, mm -hmm. let me ask you, do you think um, the one percenters and the big businesses should be paying tax too? Um, so as it relates to the big businesses and them paying taxes, um, I think that um, businesses should only be paying Again, con I, I think everybody should only be paying consumption taxes. So that would mean that we would only be um, charged taxes on everything that we buy. So every time a business has to buy something, they're going to have to pay taxes on it. You know, when they buy a new property, when they buy, you know, their materials, um, anytime that they consume something, they, they're going to have to pay a tax on it. Um, and I think that um, broadly across the board, um, but productivity in general um, should not be uh, taken advantage of um, because you're essentially by overtaxing um, productivity, you're just encouraging people to offshore um, their business practices. What about the rich? Um, so the rich will certainly be paying consumption tax um because they purchase a lot of items and there's no not really a way for them to escape that so if they're paying on you know all of those luxury items that they're buying you know all of those luxurious mansions um and everything else um then they certainly will be paying taxes and they will be paying more taxes um than your average joe just but, for the simple fact that they consume a lot more than the average Joe. You see, when you started, when you started with what David had wrote, right? David had said in a, a perfect world, right? Uh, do you think our government will ever come to this assumption 
um, and, and see the, this vision for this country um, because right now, right, um, you look at our next door neighbor, um, Canada, how they're treating their people um, versus how we're being treated here. Um, a lot of time people say, well, in Canada, people pay a lot of taxes, this and that. But yeah, yeah but look what's happening now. In the middle of the pandemic, the Canadian government step up and take care of their people. So we pay a lot of taxes here too. I mean, Canada pay more taxes than goods, like gas, like, you know, when they buy things. Right, um, but they actually have a similar taxing structure that, you know, a similar taxing structure like we do. Um, the only, yeah, like you said, the goods, the, you, you brought up a really good point because can't, a lot of people don't realize this, but Canada makes up for a lot of those taxes by adding a robust um, consumption tax. Um, so they have VAT and THS or THC, not THC, that's weed. Um, but, you know, it's a it, value added tax um, is really high. They have like upwards of the because the, and, and on top of the value added tax, they also have a provincial tax. Um, so I, I know you've been to Canada as well, so I'm sure you've seen the, the yeah. several lines of taxes <laughs> on your receipt. And you brought yeah. up a good point, and that's how they offset that. But in terms of income tax, their income taxes are, are, could be pretty similar depending on how much they make. Yeah. I mean, when I'm going there, I fill up my tank before I pass the border. Um, and <laughs> because you know that when you fill up your tank in Canada, oh, you're going to be paying a ton. It kills your wallet, man. Like, right. you know, I could fill my tank for forty dollars here, and in Canada it would cost me eighty to ninety dollars to fill that same tank. So, <laughs> wow, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's a big um, difference. But you know, listen, the tax issue thing is a is a beautiful debate to have, right? Uh, yep. You know, I think there's a lot of point that could be made um, on it. But honestly. The way our leaders is going right now, um, I look at them, you know, as old dinosaurs. These are old um, people that's been in office for the longest, and their children, once they retire or they die, their children is going to take over. Regardless if we like it or not, this is um, not democracy. This is um, dictatorship. So I don't think they will ever come around to this way of thinking. Um, I don't think they will ever vision it because it will hurt their personal packet. So us as the people, then what do we do as the people? Because, you know, Congress is not going to go for those things. Uh, I mean, I'm, I don't think they're going to go for those things. Let me, let me change my tones. I don't think they're going to go for it. I don't think it benefits them. But the people that are suffering, right. I think rich people will really love that no income tax. Um, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Business tax or whatever it is, you know, and we just work on consumption. Uh, they would actually love that. Yeah, but um, I'm, I'm shocked that it's not already happening. You thank know? you. Yeah, you know, the discussion at least they should be de debating this and they should be discussing this because you know that will level the playing field for everybody. You know, you know, the meaning that the rich wouldn't be paying more, they will be paying 
you know, the same with everybody else. At least now they will be paying versus not paying at all. So, and, you know, if there's no business taxes uh, for them, that's even a plus. So that's what I'm saying. This, this conversation is thing that they should be having right now. Those two uh, president debate, um, you know, uh, that, you know, we have coming. But I feel like those things should be discussed, like not just, oh, we're going to cut taxes. Uh, people are tired of this, you know, cutting taxes here and it, it's raised somewhere else. So like this discussion that David put together, like you just read, I would love it if they have that discussion. Yeah, I would. I think that's an interesting debate to have. And, you know, I think that, um, you know, more people need to have this conversation and more people need to get involved because I think, you know, people will find some more commonality than, you know, than they do differences. Um, and and I, I think this is it's really worth, you know, getting to know a lot of these principles. Um, and a lot more people need to learn these principles um, and kind of use this as a guiding force. Um, because, you know, they, they can be very helpful, you know, as we've already seen throughout this, uh, this, uh, these looking at these principles, there are certainly some things that we would have to tweak um, because not all things 100% the way they are or, or necessarily 100% um, accurate in our opinion. Um, but certainly um, there is a ton of great information here that can be used to make some common sense public policy that works for all Americans. I agree. Yeah. Um, I agree with that 100%. Yeah. So I think uh, we have to start getting out there on social media and really start talking about this consumption tax thing. You know, why are we paying income tax? You know, and does it make sense for us to to be even be paying income tax? Listen. Um, and how should we be funding it? Listen, you see what, what me and you had discussed before mm -hmm. this pandemic hit, uh, the, the things that we wanted to do, going to door to door, you know, talk to people. I, I'm a strong believer in that, right? I can't wait if things ever get back to normal to go out there from door to door and bring these people together under one roof to have those kind of discussion with them and to hear what they have to say um, about those issues and uh, you know about those five points that David made. I think it will work well, and not only in our community, in every community, it will work well. Um, you know, if they take the time to listen to it and look at it. So I, I, I'm still, Willing, you know, for things to get back to normal because I think with the ideas that you and I have, um, get engaging with, um, with people, um, I think that would have a big impact. Yeah, for sure, hundred percent. And I think this is definitely one of the first conversations that we should be having. Um, they're already starting to have the conversation about the no possession criminal issue. Um, that's that's great. I'm glad they're doing that. Um, but definitely this tax situation could be a, a real game changer and certainly something I think that the majority of, uh, of Americans can get behind and, um, you know, find some common ground on. Because, you know, this is something that all Americans, conservative or liberal, um, Republican, you know, Democrat, rich, poor, um, I think everyone could uh, benefit from 
not having an income tax um, and just uh, paying taxes on the things that they consume because um, it'll bring a little bit more money back in everyone's pocket. Um, but yeah, so did you have anything else that you wanted to talk about as it relates to this subject? Well, the only um, other thing that, um, you know, it was the, you know, um, it was a point that I wanted to make actually, right? Uh, I feel like, you know, if um, Congress, right, um, should they be in Congress, isn't it, you know, a conflict, right? They're getting paid by tax dollars, right? Um, yep. So, and I think it's something that people should think about also, regardless, you know, where you stand on this, uh, I just think is is morally wrong for any congressman and women to be receiving money for speaking speed while they're serving, right? I think it's a big conflict of interest for them to do so. And um, again, because you're already get, being paid by the taxpayers, right? And the idea is our congressmen are spending time, you know, more time in the media um, showing off versus doing the work of the people that they're getting paid off. Um, I think it's troubling because right now they are the American celebrities, it's, it's the congressmen and women, more so than the real celebrities. So I feel like it's, it's money that's being wasted. If you're paying these people and we're using our money to pay them, they should be doing the work that they're getting paid to do is to serve the people. That was the only last point that I wanted to make. Okay. And uh, yeah, I agree. And we shouldn't be using our tax dollars to people who are not defending our interests. Because um, it's like basically paying for, you know, a service and getting absolutely nothing in return for it. Um, I, I liken that to the same situation here, paying taxes for congressmen and women who are not doing their jobs for us. Um, so yeah, I 100% agree with you. And I think that's a good point to uh, to end off there. And uh, I think it's a good point that we can use it to actually talk about um, in one particular episode, because we should talk about the role of Congress and, and what they're doing and um, or what they're not doing. Um, but yeah, so the next episode will focus on um, our last point of the David Nolan's five, uh, five points, and that's a sound money system. Um, and that's going to be a very interesting topic to talk about, of course, um, as who doesn't care about the uh, fiscal budget? You know, we're constantly um, putting ourselves in debt, printing money that we don't have. Um, there's a ton that needs to be talked about in this particular subject. Um, so I look forward to speaking with all of you again and speaking with Greg about this very important last point for uh, David Nolan's Five Principles of Libertarianism. Um, so thank you again for joining in and listening. Um, you can find us, as usual, on all of our social media accounts. Uh, we all are using our full names, uh, Brandon Wang and Greg, uh, Gregory Victorin. Um, and you can also email us at bwang at mbnusa.com or gvictorin at mbnusa.com.
We look forward to hearing you and thank you again for tuning into another episode of New Black Nation. Have a great day, everyone.